right, we are continuing our series, Ephesians. Um, we are in chapter 3, so if you have your Bible with you, you can turn there. Before we get started, um, I just want to take a few moments and recognize a few people. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you to everyone who stuck around for the block party last week. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of guests, but we did have a few guests from outside the church come and enjoy the bouncers and eat some food. But it was just nice to hang out as the family of God and laugh and share and eat some barbecued food together because we didn't have our potluck this this month. So this was kind of this kind of turned into our potluck, and it was fun to just sit outside at the picnic tables, uh, enjoy a burger together, and laugh and get connected. and And it was really encouraging to see the people who did come out and did participate and. Um, I think they were. I think some of our guests were shocked at who actually attends this church. They were. I think they were surprised by who the connections they already had beyond you know those that had invited them. Uh, and we had a lot of people who wanted to be here, but unfortunately, plans change as they do over summer. And some of our guests had to back out. But uh, we were so appreciative of everyone who came out and so everyone who helped. Whether you were peeling hot dogs or Morgan painting mustaches on all the children, that was awesome, including Mitch, because, you know, anyways, um, Morgan helping that way, peeling hot dogs, cooking, serving, it was all so necessary, and it was just a great time together. So thank you, everyone, who helped out. Um, and I missed an opportunity a while ago, but I want to brag on a couple, I want it's a break on our church, but it's going to end up being a couple people. So a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you drove by the church on Monday, but you would have noticed that two doors down there was a monster tree fell over in our neighbor's yard. And uh, if you know everyone in town, you know exactly who I'm talking about. For the sake of online, I'm not going to say who, but there's a tree knocked down, and we talked to the owner. And, and they were really worried. They weren't sure how they were going to do it. They weren't sure how they were going to get this thing cleared off. And so, in a way that only Carlisle can do, but in a way that only the church can do, the church responded. And I said, you know what? We got a few guys. I'll send out a text to the, to the men of our church, and we'll come together, and we'll clean this up for you. Well, what do you want for it? We don't want anything for it. We just want to come. We just want to serve. We just want to love on you. And so, Paul and Brock and Mitch and I, went out and we cleaned up the trees and we cleaned up the branches and just every time we ran into the owner, they were so appreciative. Can I do anything? Can I do anything? No, because this is what Jesus would have done. Jesus didn't ask for anything. Jesus wouldn't have, you know, expected anything in return. We just love people. We love our community and we go out and we just, we just serve. We help where we can. And so I want to thank the guys for taking the time, giving up their free time to do that. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Paul and I were there a half hour early, which gave us rights to harass everyone who didn't show up a half hour early, because, uh, well, we were soaking wet by the time they showed up, so <laughs> that was awesome. Um, anyways, uh, and then I want to thank, he's not here, maybe he'll watch, uh, I want to thank Manny. Uh, so then on Thursday, we got a text saying, hey, uh, somebody needed a roof fixed. There were some shingles missing, and it was leaking, so I did the same thing. I sent out the text to the men. And I'm not being sexist. If the ladies want in on these projects, you just <laughs> let me know. I'm just texting the men because they're who I'm connected to. I, I text, sent out the text to the men saying, hey, we got a roof that needs to be fixed. And Manny, who has been kind of spotty, but is, this is still his home church. He's still in town. First one to respond. Just got home from work. I'll meet you there. 
And so we climbed up on the roof, and we tarred, and we replaced shingles, and we, and it, it took no time at all. But it was just, it was the way that we get to be the hands and feet of Christ. And I just know in my heart that if Jesus was walking among us, if Jesus was a part of this church, and he was leading, and he was, he, that's exactly what he would have done. He would have dropped everything, dropped his plans, dropped his, dropped everything to help somebody in need. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit more as we get going because it ties in really well with uh, where we're going in Ephesians 3. Um, so with that, we're going to go to Ephesians 3, starting in verse 1. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible. If you do, it's on the app or it's on the, anyways, it's everywhere. You can follow along. Starting in verse 1, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you'll understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. So Paul talks about that this was part of the plan, right? The plan was to get the gospel to the Gentiles and to the Jews. And he says, but he, he makes this interesting comment that he didn't reveal it to earlier generations. That it was only Paul and the apostles and the prophets at the time that were starting to understand what God's big, beautiful plan was. That these two groups, these Jews and the Gentiles, would put aside their differences, be unified under the Spirit of Christ, and become one group. And the question is, why? Why didn't God reveal his plan? Why, didn't, why did he wait so long to reveal this grandiose plan that it wasn't actually all about the Jews, that God's plan was always to redeem the whole world? Why wait? Why hide it? Why make it this mystery? As we read through Scripture, one of the things that we need to remember as we read through the Old Testament and the New Testament is that God does not just reveal himself all at once to his people because our heads would explode. Okay? God, in all of his grandeur, and all of his might, and all of his wisdom, and all of his character, and all of his goodness, if we got it downloaded to us all at once, our heads would explode. And God is so big that he will continue to slowly reveal himself to us throughout history. Because if you ever get to the point where you're like, I think I've got God figured out, you're not reading the Bible close enough. You, you will, we will never fully understand, fully comprehend the grandness and the power and the scope of who God is and what he is able to do and how he is at work. But when we read scripture, it's like, well, why didn't they understand this about God? We get into the, like, the early parts of the Old Testament. And it's like they're making all these silly mistakes and why don't they understand? Well, God hadn't, uh, hadn't fully revealed himself to them yet. He was just slowly 
showing his plan, showing his power, and it was going to build. So as we read through the Old Testament, if, if you jump around, you kind of get this jump distorted picture of God. But if you read through Genesis to Revelation, you see how God just slowly reveals more about his love, more about his character. That's why the Old Testament, people say, well, because the God of the Old Testament is so judgmental, and the God of the New Testament is so loving. Well, actually, no. This is how God is slowly revealing himself. Because when you read the Old Testament, after you read about Jesus and how Jesus works, you actually see, oh, actually, God is quite loving and gracious and merciful all throughout the Old Testament, too. But we but they don't see that. They maybe not recognize that. And so we have the advantage and the perspective that we have had Christ revealed and God on full display in the person of Jesus and how Jesus was so patient, he was so kind, he was so humble. Don't often associate a word like humble to God, but Christ was the exact representation, was a perfect representation of who God was. And so when we read through Scripture, we need to understand that God is progressively, slowly revealing His plan, slowly revealing His character. And God does the same thing for us. If we don't continue to grow in our relationship with God, then we don't get to grow in our understanding of God. All throughout Ephesians, we've read how Paul just prays and he begs that we would grow in our understanding of who God is. We would grow in our understanding of who Jesus is. Because it's not just going to happen all at once. It's this slow, as we progress in years and as we are diligent in growing and reading and praying, God slowly reveals more and more of himself to us. And as we understand him and we see more of him, we understand ourselves in light of who he is. We understand the plan more. We step into our role in the plan more. This is how progressive revelation works. It's how he's done it since the beginning of time. It's how he's done it, how he's done it since our relationship with him started. Progressively, slowly. And it's funny because some people will say, well, God changed after Jesus because his approach to slaves was different. His approach to women was different. No, 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 no. He had to slowly change things because we as human beings don't change quickly. I don't know about anybody else, but we, we don't like change. We like to keep things the way they are. And so God just slowly changes things, slowly redeems things, until, as we read in Revelation, he will completely conquer sin, completely conquer everything, and completely redeem the heaven and earth, and we will just live sin-free perfect lives but we're not there yet and sometimes we're like jesus i just want you to come back now and just like jesus just as god slowly reveals himself we need to trust in his timing that he's going to come back exactly when he needs to come back and he's going to do what he wants to do exactly when he needs to do it we need to trust the plan we don't get to know it all at once An interesting thing is about all this is that Paul is a perfect example of progressive revelation. Paul had the entire Old Testament memorized. 
He had every word. He could tell you exactly where, what happened when. He knew the theology. He knew not just the Old Testament. He knew all the extra teachings. He knew all the commentaries that the rabbis had come up with. He knew his stuff, and somehow he missed it. He missed the plan, and it took Jesus coming into his life, became, took Jesus interrupting him on the road to Damascus to open his eyes and realize, oh my goodness, I've missed the plan. The same happens to us. We can go through life with blinders. Paul talks about how there's scales on the eyes of people, and it takes a work of God to get the scales off so we can see Jesus at work. We can see the good things he has planned for us. We can experience the revelation, the forgiveness, and the redemption that is found only in Christ. Which brings us to verse 8. Paul continues on. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people. He says this because, remember, he was the one throwing Christians into jail. He was the one that was persecuting the church and trying to make it shrink, not grow. He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Interesting statement, we'll come back to it. <clears throat> but Paul talks about this idea, his, his calling in this really interesting way. He starts off by saying, I recognize in full, complete humility, complete recognition of where he's been and what he's done. He's like, I am the least qualified to do what I am doing. There were some significantly better people to pick from, and God in his wisdom and his greatness chose me. He said, it is a privilege to take the gospel to the Gentiles. In some versions it says, it was a grace bestowed upon me. And the interesting thing is, we don't often think about things like work and calling in terms of graces and privileges. We actually think about them, we're probably more prone to think about them as burdens, as necessary tasks to get done, as necessary means to make money, but it's not really a gift that we, we wouldn't consider it a gift. And I think we need to change our perspective on this idea of calling and, I, and how we approach work and how, because when we get to eternity, it's not like we just stop working. We're going to continue to work because work is not a curse, it is not a burden, it is not something that is designed to, it's not a punishment. We're actually supposed to enjoy work. We're actually supposed to find life and meaning in the work that we do because everything in our life, including our work, including our calling, is a gift from God. It is a grace that is bestowed upon you. It is a privilege to do what you are doing. And when we talk about calling, because we've talked about calling a lot in this series, and we're going to just keep on pounding on that drum right up to the end of Ephesians we often get this idea that calling is just another thing that gets added to the to-do list. It's another burden. It's another, it's another weight that we have to bear. And, and we can often take the idea that God has this purpose and plan for us as just God being a killjoy. 
And I think we need to, and I, and I don't think, you need to pay close attention to Paul's words. Paul's saying, this is not a burden. I am not weighed down by this. I am actually excited and privileged. It is a grace, and I love doing what I'm doing. Even in the midst of all the struggles, even in the midst of all the hardships, remember, Paul is writing this letter from jail. Now, he may not have been in a normal jail because he's a Roman citizen and he got special privileges, but he's still in jail. Anybody here in their 10-year plan like, I want to go to jail? No. Nobody is banking on going to jail. That's not something that we want to do. And it wasn't something Paul wanted to do, but he was ready to take that on. He was ready to face whatever consequences. He's ready to face whatever suffering may come his way because he was so committed. He was so excited about the privilege and the honor he had to go to the Gentiles, to go throughout the world. Three times the man left his home to go to all these cities, all these provinces, all of these people and tell them the good news, the depth of God's love, the richness of the salvation that is found in Christ Jesus alone. He was so excited about it. The man was stoned like not but like they threw rocks at him till he died okay that work we need to find a dip, he was killed by rocks okay or <laughs> god stop saying oh the english language changes so fast he was beaten he was thrown into prison as a jew not as a roman so he went through the worst of the worst of jails. And if you, you think like jail's not that bad, you know, don't think of the Canadian jail where you get a bed and a toilet and a... No, 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 no. What they did in those jails is they stripped you naked and they stretched you out with your arms and your legs as far as you could go and then just a little bit more and they left you there. So if you couldn't do the splits, you figured out how to do it real fast. And they didn't feed you, they didn't give you water, and eventually you would cramp up. And eventually you would just experience unimaginable pain, and there was nothing you could do about it. And you know what Paul did in those times he was in those prisons, in that super uncomfortable spot? He didn't whine, he didn't complain, he often sat there and worshipped God and said, God, I'm so appreciative of the fact that I am in step with the plan that you have for me. I would have been whining because I would have cramped up in the first three seconds. I just know it. And so Paul tells the people in Ephesus, he's like, don't, don't mourn because I'm in jail. Don't, don't be burdened because, because I'm suffering this. He, he writes to the people in the church and he writes to everybody and he says, you are worth it. You are worth the suffering. You are worth the hardship. You are worth everything we, I am going through right now so that you could know the love and forgiveness and the truth about who God is and who Jesus is and what he wants to accomplish in your life. And I want to come back to <laughs> the tree removal. So that Tuesday, when we moved the tree, it rained on us. It rained a lot. I was soaked. Like, I had to go home and change after we were done. Like, my gloves were soaked. My coat was soaked. My, it was soaking through everything. My bones felt wet. Like, I was just completely, and we all were. We were just 
wet. I had splinters all over my hands. I, my clothes were dirty. And I could focus in on all of the wrong and all of the bad of that day. And I could really ham up that this tree removal was not very smooth. It was just a grueling, it wasn't that bad. But I could, I could, could ham it up. And I could really make the owner of the house feel bad for what we did. Oh, whew, barely got through that. But we didn't want to do that. Because just like Paul was willing to go to jail, just like Peter was willing to go be crucified upside down for the sake of what, the saint would take the same attitude of Christ. Christ sees each and every one of us and each and every one of our neighbors and our family members and our coworkers and everyone in our communities, whether you're in Carlisle or Redverse or Pilot Butte or Imperial or wherever you're tuning in, God sees every single one and Jesus is like, I, 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 I love you enough, I would die for you. And I expect nothing back. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to take away your sin. I'm going to give you an opportunity to have a deep, meaningful relationship with my Heavenly Father. You're worth dying for. And in response, we are never more like Christ when we see somebody in need and we say, you know what, it doesn't matter if I have to change my plans. It doesn't matter how wet and dirty and gross. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable I'm going to be. This person is worth all of it because Jesus loves them and I love them. And if Jesus is willing to die for them, I need to be willing to make certain sacrifices for them too. Because let me tell you, when we were cleaning up that tree, I lost count of how many vehicles drove by and rolled down the window and said, boy, I'm sure glad I'm not doing that. And I wonder how many vehicles drove by seeing that tree in the yard, seeing the mess that it was, and be like, boy, I'm sure glad that didn't happen to me. Boy, I'm glad it wasn't in my tree. Boy, I'm glad that's not my house. And continue on on our way. We're never more like Christ when we see somebody in need. And when you look at Matthew 26, Matthew 26 says, you know, you, those who are going to enter heaven, you, you fed me when I was hungry. You gave me water because I was, when I was thirsty. You clothed me when I was naked. It doesn't list anything about tree removal in that list. But it doesn't have to. That list isn't supposed to be exhaustive because it there's not enough paper and ink in the world to get through the list of what Jesus was trying to say. And what Jesus' point was is that you're never more like me. You never act more like the church than when you see somebody in need. No matter how big, no matter how small, you see a need and you step in and you fill the need. Whether it's a tree being removed, a couple shingles being put back on the roof, or something big. I don't have a really good example of something big. But there's probably something big that we as a church will have an opportunity to step into. But the point is, is that when we're in step with God, we're in step with the plan that he has for our life, our comforts, our start to fade away, and we start to see people the way God sees them. We see them the way that Jesus sees them. And we realize that they are worth, they are worth the inconveniences. They are worth the sufferings. They are worth the changing of plans and the splinters. And the, they are worth it because Jesus thought they were worth to die for. So they are worth for us to make some sacrifices for.
And I was thinking about that, and we're, th- you know, if you are, you know, like I said, we've been talking about calling, we've been talking about purpose, we've been talking about the fact that you have a spot in God's plan, and if you're still trying to figure out what your spot is, maybe just start there. What are you willing to get uncomfortable for? What are you willing to make sacrifices for? And maybe it's not what, maybe it's who. Who are you willing to get uncomfortable so that they could be loved? Who are you willing to get in, get dirty and grimy? Who are you willing to get out of your way, get out of your comfort, get out of whatever you're doing so that they can be blessed? For Paul, <laughs> he was, it, was big. it was all the Gentiles. Everyone who wasn't a Jew, that was his goal. Boom, I'm coming for all of you. Okay, Paul. Good timing. She comes in. Um, maybe it's not all the Gentiles. Maybe it's, it's the moms in your community. Maybe it's, maybe it's the elderly. Maybe it's those who, who can't put food on the table. Whatever it is, each and every one of us has something that we're passionate about. There's a group of people that God has put on our heart. There's a cause that we just can't get out of our head. And we are willing to make sacrifices. We're willing to just do whatever it takes, pay whatever price we have to pay to see this thing succeed, to see these people grow and blessed and loved and experience the Jesus who has come into my own life, come into your life, and radically transformed you, made you completely new so that you can do what only you can do. What? What fits that bill? And maybe you've never thought about that. I encourage you this week. That's your take home. That's your project. Who, what, is, what is something or who is a group of people that you would be willing to make sacrifices, pay any price to see them get out of the situation that they're in and experience the life that God had set aside for them, called them to experience the good things that God wants to bestow upon them. There's still more to the chapter. I could have stopped there. But anyways, Paul closes with a prayer. This is what he says, in verse, starting in verse 14. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. So then all light of everything, everything that is going on with the Gentiles, I just fall to my knees. This is the only response I have. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that his glorious unlimited resources, that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And that you, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul closes the chapter. He says there's three things. There's three big things 
that he prays for the Ephesian church, and he prays for us. And so I want, I'm going to put them up on the screen, and I want us to really focus in on these things. I, want, I would encourage you to pray these things over yourself this week. So get out your notepad on your phone, or if you're in the, no, if you're in the app, you can put, take these notes. It's already there for you. Advantage people with the app. Paul closes, he wants to pray this. He says, that you would be empowered by the Spirit. Paul, in the first couple of chapters, talked about how we are seal, our, the seal of our redemption is the Holy Spirit within each of us. We each have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts, dwelling in our minds. And Paul says that in those times when things get tough, in those times when you need it the most, may you not find your strength in some encouraging word. May you, not find, may you find your strength in the Spirit that dwells within you, that you would find the inner strength. You would be empowered to get through whatever you are going through. That your strength would not come from anything else but from the spirit and the spirit alone that dwells within you that you would be empowered that you would experience the inner strength that comes from christ dwelling within you number two that you would trust christ more and more well this is a tough one that we would trust in Jesus' guiding, that we would trust that, God, that Jesus' plan for us is the best plan, that we would trust that his teaching is good and pure and eternal, and it is the best thing that we can do, is the best thing we can apply to our life. It's the only way we're going to experience the life that he has set out for us, that we would trust him, that Jesus would take up, <laughs> take up residence in our heart, be the loudest voice in our ear, be the calming voice in our ear that our hearts would find peace and security because Christ dwells there that you would trust Christ more than anything else more than any person more than any news source more than any social media more than anything that you would trust Christ more and more number three that you would be rooted and strengthened by God's love and what is God's love? God's love is so deep, so wide, so high, that it is beyond comprehension. He says, because, of our, because we are rooted in that love, because we are strengthened by the love of God, we can enter into his presence confidently, and we can talk to our Father, and we can make our requests known, we can pray to him, we can learn from him. God will speak to us just as clearly as I'm speaking to you today. That you would be rooted, not in anything else. That your foundation, your solid footing would be found in nothing else than the great, beyond comprehension love that is found in God and God alone. Let's pray. And get Emily and Michelle to come up, wherever Michelle is. Jesus, I pray this over all of us this morning. And each of those things are going to hit each of us differently because we're all in different seasons. We're all going through different things in life. So God, for those that need inner strength, for those that need to be empowered by the Spirit to get through a tough time, to just push through whatever's going on, God, I pray that, I pray that for all of us, but I pray it especially for those who need it the most right now. 
God, I pray for those who are need clarity and those that haven't maybe struggled with trusting God's word and trusting Christ and his, his way and his life and his leading and guiding. God, I pray that we would grow in that. That we would trust Jesus in everything that he does and everything that he is leading us to. Jesus, that, you're, that you would take up residency in our heart. That you would lead and guide us in all things. That we would be sensitive and humble to where you want us to go. That as we become more and more like you in all that we do, that we become your hands and feet in everything, God. Christ, may our trust in you grow. And God, I pray for those who maybe are feeling alone, those are feeling abandoned, those that are feeling, those that are feeling unloved. I pray, God, that you would, they would find their identity, they would become rooted in the boundless, incredible, limitless love that is found in you alone. That when they become, the, when they start to question who they are and they question their worth and they question, question whatever is, <laughs> that all the answers would be found in your love and your acceptance and your, your open arms, Lord. Father, Jesus, at the end of the day, we just want to be more and more like you. Move in us, speak to us. God, may these three things be our prayer and our passion this week. May we just declare them over ourselves that no matter what is going on, we would find our strength in you. And I pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.